Hey guys, here we are at episode number 17, Acceptance in a Community. And I cannot believe we're already at 17. So my goal is I have not launched this podcast as of yet because I want to get to episode 26. While, you know, currently I'm on Apple and Spotify. Um, I believe that we might already be on iHeartRadio, but I really wanted to get to episode 26 so that people could have a choice, whether they're going to listen to all of my previous ones or they're going to be like just diving in. And episode 26 is going to be where we do that dive and just dive into, you know, what that today looks like and to move on to real topics pertaining to our struggles, insights, evolution, and our business approach. So if you guys can just bear with me as I make it through uh, to episode 26, I cannot wait to get to 26 myself because I can feel like I'm not talking about all these redundant past things. I really want to dive into the today current events type of stuff. And I just want It's a personal goal for mine just to get to 26 so that I can really talk about all these things that have gotten me and our family where we are today. So on to this acceptance of a community. Um, I think that as someone who really felt like she needed to be heard, I think that I really thought that I was going to find immediate acceptance in any community I joined, you know, whether it was living in our home or, you know, going to school and meeting the other parents. I think as I was in my 20s and um, starting to approach my 30s, the hardest part for me to understand was that I wasn't going to be accepted everywhere I went. Part of that was going to be based on the fact that I was a young mom. And some of those moms, when our kids started going to school, just weren't very nice. You know, they weren't very friendly. They weren't very outgoing. And I think that I just assumed when, you know, you have kids and you're, you know, going to school that I guess I thought everybody was going to be super friendly. And I learned very quickly that 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 wasn't going to be the case and I wasn't going to make friends with everybody. But here I am, Amy Rigetti, wanting to be friends with everybody. And it it was a Debbie Downer for me when I realized it wasn't going to happen because I felt it in the community at where my kids went to school at originally. I felt like I just had to try 10 times harder than all those other moms. And to live in a neighborhood where I also felt like we were not being openly accepted. And, you know, part of the reason I felt like we weren't being openly accepted was I felt like our lifestyle was so much an unknown to all of those around us. So, you know, they weren't as curious as they were cautious, if you would say. And I think that, you know, by having my father-in-law and my mother-in-law coming and visiting us and just the neighbors being more nosy when they weren't really worried about like who we were as people, nobody really got to know us. And so my father-in-law would come and, you know, sweetest, softest, kind-hearted man, socially gets along with everybody, you know, big red tikka on his forehead. It was almost like people, instead of getting to know him, spent more time staring at him. And I don't think he was noticing or bothered by that, but I surely felt it. And then here we have my mother-in-law who's never wore a salvar or jeans or any other type of clothing other than a sari. And she would walk around typical Indian um, woman with you either braid in her hair or her hair was in a bun, you know, jewelry. And um, of course, 
her bindi. And this, I think, rather than making the neighbors feel curious, made them cautious. Because we all, as people and humans in general, fear the unknown. And I think that a lot of our neighbors were the typical um, white families. We had some black families, a couple Hispanic families, maybe a few Chinese families, but everybody was pretty much American, if you will. Um, and the cultures were also not very diverse in the sense that people were very American. They, you weren't seeing a lot of festival stuff or people um, expressing or appreciating their own cultures. It was just kind of the neighborhood in a lot of ways other than our street, which had like 40 some kids on it. Um, all the other streets were kind of like dead noise. You wouldn't even see any activity going on. Even around Halloween, we learned over the years, like not a lot of people who lived in there were participating in Halloween at all. And over the years, it just became something that was so sad for me. Like I would experience situations with even like the president of the HOA, he would just want to pick on us. He would just want to come over. He'd take a tape measure to our fence to measure the height of our fence while workers were working. He would be very on top of like Sundays you couldn't work because of noise ordinance. So he called the police on us because we didn't know that. We had no clue um, about community or town noise ordinances, although we learned very quickly. Um, and then we had situations where we had our yard was by far one of the most meticulous yards in the community, well-kept, pruned. We took care of all of our stuff. Um, and yet we were always being harped on when there were plenty of other people in the community doing things and trashing things that needed attention. And even I think the last straw for me was we had hired a landscape company to come up and put stones that lined our driveway because we couldn't get grass to grow since we moved in. It was very sparse around the edges of our driveway. And so we talked to a couple landscape people. They felt that it was either burning or there was too much gravel that wasn't allowing grass to grow, even though we were with all these efforts of adding stuff, couldn't get it to grow. And so we had this stone uh, work lining our driveway that we paid a good amount of money for. And we got a notice from the HOA. And I bet you no one can guess what this reason for this notice was. It was because we had these stones put along our driveway and somebody in the HOA deemed that our yard was not Virginia decor worthy. That these stones that we had placed up and, up and down our driveway need it to be removed. And it got so bad to where they had told us if it didn't get removed, we would be billed $10 every day till it was re removed. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what is this like ridiculousness? And um, funny enough, as we got to the point of selling our 585, the neighbor across the street who had just bought her, this house um, put stones all around her landscape bedding and big stones, like huge stones. And I kept asking her, I was like, so have you gotten an HOA notice? And she's like, no, nothing. And I was like, why is it that directly across in front of my face, this woman has put this stone decor and she also is white. Her husband is white and they're not getting any notifications, but yet we were being attacked. It could not have been any more apparent in this community that we were being attacked based on 
the color of my husband's skin, the cultural differences that we had. And that was tough. I think I knew at that time that this just wasn't going to be something that I could do forever. And I really, me and my husband would get into intense talks about like, we have to move. And he would say, we're going to leave a home that we raised our kids in. And we have so many memories in because of some neighbors. I was like, absolutely. Because I can't find peace here. And so we learned we were never going to be included in this community. We were never going to, you know, we weren't, we were feeling the same thing that we felt a little bit of at the last community that we were feeling here. And so we started getting into the conversation of what do we do next? Like, where are we going to go next? You know, we're, we're finding that it's extremely difficult you know, finding acceptance in a community. I think that if we lived in Fairfax and we lived in a predominantly Indian community, we would have been way better accepted than we had ever felt in any of the communities that we lived in. I think part of the reason why I cover a lot of Indian weddings is because I immediately feel welcomed. I feel accepted. I feel like people aren't cautious about us. They're curious. And I think there's something to be said um, when people are just curious more than they are cautious. You know, we live in a world where obviously we have to approach life and situations with caution. But I think that if all of us were to open our minds up and allow that curiosity to get to know people, the world would just be a better place. And so as we started talking about what was the next move now that our kids were, you know, grown um, and we were thinking we're going to go ahead and make a move into the next season of our lives, we started thinking about maybe we need to buy land and build a home. Our, our parents are getting older and we need somewhere that we could age in place. My mother-in-law had had an instance where she had came down the stairs at, at this, you know, home that we were living in and she slipped and she hit her, you know, the side of her leg and, you know, she was going back to India and she never even told us that she did this. And when she went to India, she had to have emergency surgery to move, the, to remove this blood clot. And so I kept telling my husband, I was like, you know, not just the neighbors, but the fact that we only have a half bath on the first floor, there's absolutely no way to bathe on this floor. Like my mom can't come and watch the kids because my mom can't do the steps anymore. Your parents shouldn't be doing these steps. And so with a lot of like really motivating, I convinced my husband to let me purchase a piece of property. And so I was very excited to get through this living in a community and find somewhere where we could really like cultivate the land in the sense of making a uh, new lifestyle for ourselves in planting our own vegetables. And I get a lot of therapy from mowing the grass, you know, just being in my own zone, not being disturbed. And like, I'm all about the perfect lines and the depth by crossing over and like the technique of cutting grass, as weird as that sounds. And so I wanted something where I had some grass I could cut and we had some privacy. And by this time we're shooting like weddings anywhere from like 400 guests to 1500. And you know, when we, when you are in that from Thursday till Monday, sometimes Thursday till Sunday, Saturday, you know, based on, you know, what events you're covering for them. It's almost like you need to just be by yourself and just um, decompress. And so that's what I was looking for. Little did I know that, you know, we unexpectedly uh, were going to be expecting our next son. So 
we wound up putting down a deposit on a piece of property and working to like turn the house so that it was like east northeast facing to meet some of my in-laws requirements and um we decided that we were gonna put it on pause stay in this community until we figured out what was our next move because we had now a newborn baby and we weren't sure exactly what we wanted to do so we said okay we'll just sit here let's get through the pregnancy let's get through all this stuff and then we'll put the house on the market and so we had purchased a piece of land that we held on to um because we were planning on making this move and um we wound up selling it and saying okay maybe the timing just isn't right and one thing if I have to begrudgingly admit, is Srinu is really great at knowing like when is a good time and when is not. I'm talking not religiously, but just for us as a family, for us as a couple. And so I've learned to follow his lead a little bit on that. And we decided that we were just going to sit tight for a little bit, but um, it didn't last too long because I want to say that it was a good two years into it that I was like, nope, we need to do this. Like it's now or never our parents. Again, I kept pushing the fact that they're getting older and this is really what I used. I knew that this for, for Srinu specifically, this was like a big thing that I could sell him on. And so I just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And then finally he was like, okay, you know, go ahead. If you want to find a piece of property and it meets the requirements for like the house facing this direction, like we'll just do it. You know, he was more worried about us having to move into a rental and live in a rental because, you know, we couldn't get financing to keep the, the home we had and to build like the home we wanted to build. So we had to sell our house. We had to go into a rental and build our current house. And this was really something very foreign to us as a couple because we knew nothing, you know, about building a home. So as we move into the next podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about buying land and building our home, just to give people a little bit of idea of like what we went through, what we dealt with um, in doing that process. And maybe I can give some insight to some of you who have been on the you know, verge of thinking that you're going to do it, but you're not sure if you should do it. I will tell you that I'm a big proponent. If you're thinking at all that you're going to sell your house stop thinking about it and just do it because you're wasting so much precious time so i hope you come back for the next episode of buying land to build a home <laughs>